Yeah, so this is uh, Kente Winery in Prince Edward County. Uh, my wife, Nicole, and I am Ryan Monkman. We rent space from them and we rent their license to produce cider under their facility. So it's a great like cooperation. Um, the family who owns the winery, the Rogers, are very encouraging of us. And the winemaker here, Lee Baker, is one of my best friends. So it's kind of nice to be able to have someone to bounce ideas off of in the cellar uh, and someone who challenges you and pushes you forward. The other great thing about this place is it's really set up for a barrel program, which is really important to us. Uh, I like working with oak barrels, so all the cider we do touches oak barrel. So everything was fermented in oak. Some was fermented in a large oak fermenter and then aged in barrel, but the most of it was just fermented in oak and aged in oak barrel. So we're downstairs. You've taken us through the back and uh, lots of vats and bins and uh, your classic quite traditional style of, of barreling on the side. How did you get connected with all of this? Uh, Lee, the winemaker here, and I have a common mentor in Derek Barnett, who was a winemaker at Southbrook and the winemaker at Lely, and now he has his own winery called Melville. Um, Derek and Lee worked together a few years ago at Lely, and then when I moved up here to Prince Edward County two years ago, I worked with Derek at a winery called Carlo Estates and Derek connected Lee and I and we kind of hit it off. We have similar approaches to winemaking. I also I, I make wine uh, at a few places and uh, that really got us connected and hang out and our kids are around the same age and our wives like each other so it all, it all works out really well. And they babysit our dog and all that fun stuff. Uh, we're in one of the barrel cellars. There's two barrel cellars here at Kente. They're identical. Um, one's just beside, you can see that afterward. This is the one that I work in for cider, as well as the Chard and Pinot Noir from Kente are in here. So you can kind of see there's like four rows. The two outer rows are both Pinot Noir, uh, Pinot Noir being the major red that Kente makes. And then the center is predominantly Chardonnay, but uh, I also have my cider in the middle. So we're at the part of the season now in, in end of May where most of our cider from Harvest 2017 has been bottled. You'll see a bunch of cases back here of bottled cider. Um, but we're also overwintering some cider in barrels for longer. So most of the cider we had this year was in oak for six to eight months. Uh, we have some stuff in right now that's going to be about a year and a half, I imagine. A special sort of limited edition, longer press, or more sort of a, a test to see how it goes? Well, a little bit of both. Uh, so the stuff in barrel right now is predominantly golden russet. It's like 72% golden russet. Um, and it's got some other tannin varietals in there which are really carrying it. So if something has more tannin and more alcohol, it's able to handle barrel for longer periods of time. In the barrel process, there's, there's a whole bunch of great things about barrel. In addition to just being beautiful works of art, each of them. Um, the oak breathes. So what ends up happening is you evaporate cider outside of the oak and that creates a vacuum inside the oak which pulls air in. That process is very, very slow and the oak works as a membrane that transfers that oxygen in. Now, a lot of ciders, you try to never have oxygen in contact with them because you're afraid you're going to lose flavor. But that really slow oxygen transfer, which we call microoxygenation, helps um, combine all the tannin and the flavor together and create that smooth profile. So that microoxygenation is key to developing like the nice warm mouthfeel and the pleasant lasting character. So it kind of limits harshness and increases roundness, which we really like. So if something has 
more tannin it can handle being in oak longer, which is why, I mean, I relate stuff to winemaking a lot because that's my, my original background, what I studied. So with wine, you'll typically see whites that go into barrel or in barrel for like eight months to a year. Reds are like a year to three years. And it's because they have that more tannin that allows them to, to take that process. Mm -hmm. So every oak we use is light toasted, maybe some medium toast in there. Uh, nothing heavier than that. So the lighter toastings allow like more freshness and sweetness and preserve the aromatics of the cider. The heavier you toast something, the more like oak barrel flavor you get coming in. So I like things to taste like cider. I don't want things to taste like, um, like whiskey. Now there's a place for that. There's a lot of place for whiskey aging barrels and I'm not, don't want to be critical of it. It's just not something that we're doing here. Yeah. yeah. Just like there's a place for bubbles. Like I love bubbly cider too. It's just not what we do here. Yeah. And there's, there's so much now coming into the market with everything growing two, threefold over the last couple of years. There's a place for everything, yeah. which seems to find well. So have you found as though that, you know, uh, people who are trying your stuff, uh, you know, in comparison to others, what are the reactions? Uh, so far very positive, but admittedly, I mean, it's the end of May. We've been on the market for about a month. So there's not, there's not a huge number of data points. Um, I like to think people are very positive or I'm a really gullible person and people like lying to me. So, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see what's time, but I, th I think it's been very positive. So the, the first two you have as an offering are sort of the first main production that you've, yep. you've put out. Can you tell me a little bit about what's in each of those? Um, can I divert you? Can we talk about those upstairs and talk yeah, about this stuff down there? Yeah, definitely. Because I'm wearing shorts and I'm very cold. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, so the stuff in barrel right now is, I was saying, predominantly golden russet. So one of the advantages of fermenting an oak rather than just aging an oak is that you can keep everything nice and separate. So there's four barrels here in front of you. Each of them are the exact same juice blend, but they're each fermented in a different style. So um, do you want to try some stuff? Sure, yeah. It's getting bored, eh? Yeah. Um, see if there's a fun around. You can have that if you want. Food grade silicone? Sure. He loves to it in here. He does like cider and beer too. Yeah. <laughs> He'll do his best to try to to get a hold of something while we're with it. So there you go. thank you. Excellent. So this is predominantly golden russet. Um, there's some wines happen there as well. Um, so this is not gone through malolactic fermentation. It's just gone through primary fermentation with a pretty um, ester-driven profile. So. That means the yeast we're using in this one, as well as the nutrients we're giving it, kind of push um, floral notes and kind of like a sweet flavor in the nose, although mm -hmm. it's fully dry right now. Do all of the esters come from the yeast, typically? Or? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So um, the main alcohol being produced is ethanol. But there are some other smaller, uh, other, not smaller, larger alcohols, but smaller amounts of other alcohols being produced. The, what we call higher alcohols are fusel alcohols. Um, the more of those you get produced, 
will form esters in the long term. So when they bind, they form esters. There's ways you can kind of increase your chances of getting that. So one is by giving the yeast like really, really healthy food rather than junk food. If we're talking about different kinds of nutrients. So it's a little tougher to ferment that way. But I think the end product is, is a lot prettier and I really like it. So you'll tend to see like, like a common thing you'll see in ciders that I make is floral notes and kind of sometimes banana aroma, that kind of thing. And those are those esters that we're trying to push. Yeah, and that definitely has has it available in there. Like yeah. You could taste it. And yeah, which that reminds not. me of like a Hefeweizen a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah. You're bang on. And just to kind of kick at the bucket something completely different. So exact same, um, exact same juice blend. So this one was uh, pushing more of a reductive ferment. So there, are, we talk about reduction generally as, as a fault, but there are advantages to kind of riding the line of that fault. And what you can do is you can kind of preserve some different kinds of aromas as well. So I was kind of driven along that line and then afterwards went through full malolactic. So it's the same juice, but it's a very different cider. But as you said, there's a lot of oak in it, in both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. It is. Then, we'll do this quickly. <laughs> but the idea behind doing everything separate is, oh, this one doesn't want to open. So they form a vacuum. There you go. it needed it to be opened yeah this is uh this is cool this is a fun story so i have to travel a lot because i'm, I'm helping a few ciders and a few wineries and i had a week at home this past week where i didn't have to go anywhere so admittedly i spent i spent most of the week with my 15 month old son which was definitely worth doing so I came in here like on last Sunday, I think when I got home, Saturday, and I topped all the barrels and I like filled them, filled them, filled them. And then I took off for a week and it got really hot. And as it gets hot, the cider expands. So this one uh, is pushing a bit. Yeah, still moving too. Yeah. Even in a dark, damp cellar like this, it still gets hot and noticeable. It doesn't get hot, but, like but it's losing its chill. It yeah. was... Um, for most of the winter, it was about three degrees in here. And even into last week, it was maybe five, and now it's probably okay. 12 or something. Right. So that difference does cause some thermal expansion in the side. And the more alcohol you have, the more it's gonna get big. So this is sitting around 10%, so. Uh, hold on before you drink it. Yep. This is fun, I haven't uh, actually done a blend in couple months in these guys. So, so I you, hope it's good. Yeah, do you want to explain exactly what the two of it that you put together and why? Just for curious, uh, curiosity sake. Four, actually, four yeah. okay. So we're doing, you tasted two of them. Yeah. We're going to do all four blended together. So each of them is a very different cider as you experienced in those two. 
Um, and the idea of doing them all separate like that is to eventually blend them together before bottling. Mm -hmm. And in that process, now you're going to have a whole bunch of different layers of complexity. So it's not just going to be like, say, we talked about the banana note, and it's not just going to be those reductive notes. It's going to be all of those playing together. So you're switching from eating like roast beef, which is delicious, to now like a beef stew, which is delicious, but for a different reason. Yeah. That's because there's all these different flavors at play. And then for your process, you're, you'll spend some time figuring out what that sort of percentage of blend is so that it gives you the right sort of palate, or will you just sort of go with a sort of an even quarter each? Um, it depends on, on the product. So with this stuff, uh, I might keep one bill longer than the other ones, but that might not just be one full one. So mm -hmm. I have that space where if I want to do, each barrel is 225 liters. Well, these ones are 228, actually. So if I wanted to only do like 675 liters from this blend, I could blend, I could play a lot, and then just whatever's left over, blend in the other barrel. Mm -hmm. So I haven't made that decision yet. I'll probably make that decision in August. Yeah. So for my naivete, yeah. uh, the one you've got marked here, mm -hmm. uh, a lot cloudier than the others. Mm -hmm. Explain why that is. Mm -hmm. It's, um, so I talked about this one had gone through malolactic fermentation. That one is destined to go through malolactic fermentation. So it hasn't been sulfured. And the idea is we want it to go. The, mal the malolactic fermentation I'm doing here, I'm doing spontaneously or wildly. So I'm not adding bacteria. I'm using what's in the cellar. Mm -hmm. Now, this cellar has a history of being successful in that process. So it's not necessarily something you do everywhere, but mm -hmm. it works well here. I talked about it being very cold. It was two, three degrees in the cellar over the winter. So this started malolactic fermentation in December and it got really cold, so it stopped. Right Now that it's warming up, it's starting to go again. So that, that cloudiness is actually the sediment stirring itself as the malolactic bacteria produces carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. yeah. cool. So it'll stay cloudy like that for a few more weeks and then it'll start settling. I come in once every, uh, at this point, once every two weeks and I stir the barrels just to keep that sediment that leaves in suspension. Uh, everything here is still on primary lease, so I've never racked these guys. Mm -hmm. Cool. And you definitely can taste the complexity of all the different types through it. That's interesting. She's the one that's taken the uh, the courses on education and so on so she's a little bit better i've read a book or two but that's about it and whatever sticks it's okay i recognize the terms and i get where it's all going where where that's coming from but i've only done beer yeah so not many cider options available at the moment no did you so where where did you do for your training and how did so that I process went, work yeah i went to niagara college for their winemaking program winemaking mm -hmm. and viticulture um i've worked in i worked down there a bit and i worked up here in wineries and then in the last, uh, the dream of moving up here when, when my wife and I moved up here two years ago was to plant uh, traditional orchards. Mm -hmm. So we just, we just got a farm a couple months ago that we're, we're planting an orchard on. And the idea of that is to make cider. We want to have a biodynamic farm. It's really difficult to grow biodynamic grapes uh, in this area, especially because it's very cold and very wet. But apples respond very well to it. So it's a natural fit for that. 
the other thing is, and now I get worried about who's going to hear this. So I started to, I was working with a few wineries. I've started to work more with cideries recently in the last year and a half. And the people are a lot more fun in cideries. So uh, when push comes to sub, that's, that's the group I want to be in. Yeah, we, we've noticed that it's always been a very community-based. Yeah. There's, there's not the saturation and everybody knows where wine is and, and it's a competition. It's the fact that the market is growing so much that yeah. um, whatever new market opportunities are there are expanding beyond everyone else. Yeah, and like you guys are going up to see Kings Mill later today. Uh, Case and Margaret are like, the two greatest people who have ever lived. And like, why wouldn't I want to hang out with them more, you know? So, yeah, we're really happy to be in cider. And we like to drink cider. Nicole and I love to drink cider. Love to drink still ciders. Love to drink barrel fermented ciders. So that's why we make this. Cool. Well, why don't we move along? Yeah, let's, because uh, let's head upstairs. Getting a little cold and dog. You can so stand up and watch. Um, there is 10 cases of mm -hmm. sparkling cider in our production this year. Okay. okay. Because, uh, yeah, if you don't have the carbonation to hide behind, then it's really the product on presentation, so. Yeah. The, the 10 cases of sparkling we're doing are stuff, so not everything's gone through malolactic fermentation and we don't want to be pasteurizing, mm -hmm. so we're sterile filtering stuff into bottle. Mm -hmm. When you do that process, there's always about 60 liters to 100 liters that are left behind mm -hmm. that just can't get through, the, the, the last of the lines, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we took that stuff and we mixed it with some leaves that we had resettling and then we bottle conditioned it. Okay. So there's about 10 cases, uh, hopefully coming out in August, but it'll, it's such a, such a small amount. Just a, a little yeah. separate batch and something so you're not wasteful. Right? Yeah, so. exactly. And the idea, the idea of biodynamic farming is to have a closed loop. So using uh, every resource you can from your own farm. So we're trying to apply that to the cellar too. So rather than put this down the drain, we found a way that we can use it as a product. Um, there was like a maybe a 10% chance that it was going to be any good, <laughs> but it, it worked out. It's uh, we've been opening bottles every few weeks and it's tracking the progress and the flavor profile coming out is remarkable. So I think it's something we're going to keep doing. Yeah, very um, neat. No, it's so. really, really good. I'm just going to throw the Your nose got stuff all over it, dog. Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, totally a cider dog. He's like, I will drink that. Okay, I'll get you. It's going up the stairs. Hold on, Tommy. It's like 27 pounds when most corgis only get to 30, so. <laughs> and he's only six months, so he's gonna be a big dog. Away. 
Yeah, it's funny, and he's also more of like likes to be chased. Hey, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Oh, you just want to see the job. <laughs> <laughs> Hinterland and we don't actually they never got back to us. So, we're only just so we'll probably just swing by and grab cool. grab and then head up. So we've got a, a few minutes, but not too too much. Sure. So we're uh, obviously as you can hear in the tasting room, uh, which is uh, set up so it's a split between uh, the ciders that you're offering right now that you have available, and then yeah. a handful of the uh, the Kent He wines. Uh, do you want to speak to us a little bit about what you have here? Yeah, so we're going to do Northern Spy first. So this is a uh, single varietal, just Northern Spy apples. Similar to the stuff you had downstairs, this was fermented in five different French oak barrels, aged in those barrels, and each was given a different treatment. So different kinds of yeast, some wild, some inoculated. There were some that went through malolactic, some that didn't. And the idea is to build up each of those layers of complexity. Uh, this was an even split, so it's 20% of this, 20% of that, 20% of that, 20% of that. And um, it was blended just before bottling. So just to try and keep it separate as much as possible with the build character, and throw it all together. So, uh, it's fairly dry. It is uh, obviously still. And uh, yeah, So the big things coming in, uh, similar to the russet and the other one, there's quite a bit of estuary aromas coming through, which kind of give you that that honey note and that wildflower. And then there's some some kind of tropical fruit notes coming through as well, which I really like. Um, this one was admittedly. Have you guys had a lot of the ciders from like the Finger Lakes region? Can't say we have. No. Okay, so you got to get down there. Is my my pitch. But uh, there's a few ciders down there we really like. So. Uh, Autumn at Eve's cider is fantastic. Uh, Garrett and Melissa from Good Life Farm, which is now called Kite and String Cider, makes fantastic cider. Um, sorry, I got distracted by Ryan. There's fantastic stuff down there, and they rep Northern Spy hard. So, in March, I was down at uh, a growers meeting, an apple growers meeting in Western Mass, and a bunch of those guys were there. So I brought a bottle of this. Now this was gonna stay in barrel a little longer. I was actually gonna release the russet this spring. And uh, poured it for them and to my shock, <laughs> they liked it, which was really, which was really giddy for me. Uh, and then we were tasting it more and more and more and we decided to come out with this right away and leave the russet just so that I had time to integrate the tannin a little more. And this was kind of ready to, to be on the show. Mm -hmm. And you wanted to make sure you had 
at least two varieties when you launched and yeah and something yeah and there, there's another one we have bottled up that's waiting to be released but i wanted to age and bottle a little more we can try that with some in the back room anyway so yeah so there's a, a big you said it, what what uh what type of apples was in this one exactly 100 percent northern spy apple. so northern spy is uh its roots are in upstate new york it's pretty acid-driven, so pretty sharp. It's got fairly mild tannin, which we were able to increase with some skin soaking uh, at, at milling, just before press. So just to try to extract some more of that, that tannin from the flesh, and then uh, straight into barrel for ferment. Excellent. A lot of the ciders in Nova Scotia are yeah. pretty much 100% Northern Spy, too. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it works really well. It's also a good gateway so cider for people. Yeah. It's not, uh, a lot of the single varietal ciders can be kind of aggressive. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's very pleasant. Uh, really stone food driven. So it's a good way to introduce the, uh, the concept of single varietal ciders. Yeah, a lot of the still ciders in Quebec don't really have a lot of flavor sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's a different it's growing so place, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but there are some, so a lot of them are 100% Macintosh. Yeah. Which is a hard apple to work with because it's basically a one flavor group and yeah. it's hard. It's like green apple thing, right? Mm -hmm. There are a couple of good 100% um, good Macintosh ciders coming out of Quebec, and like that is impressive to do. Yeah. yeah, and we've we've noticed that there's definitely a uh, anytime you have a Quebec cider, you can tell it's a Quebec cider, and most yeah. of the times you've had an East Coast cider, you can tell with the softer water and so on that there's a bit of a, a softness to it, but still they're doing quite well in those different angles. Whereas since we primarily focus on Ontario, we're seeing the gamut from as commercial as possible to very unique, very different one-off barrels that happen and. You know, someone like Tarek, who's got Revel, is now 150, 200 different varieties after four years because he does one by one, and that's sort of it. Exactly. And that's it, it's nice to see that that expansion in the market in, in different areas because it seems as though the capacity is growing and growing in, oh, in the area. Absolutely. So and it's so cool, right? I think they're Jim Botanicus <laughs> Oh yeah, one yeah. of the best things I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely my favorite, the Spirit of the Woods one. So. Yeah. So this is Buzzing Chatter. It's the other one that's for sale right now. Uh, it's a blend of different apples. Most of them do not have names. So it's from a field experiment to try to find a new uh, They just never made it to the time where someone would name them. Uh, aside from, you know, some of the trees known as like Fred and Bob and stuff uh, there's also some Northern Spine here and there's a bit of Ambrosia just to try and lift the, the pear notes of it. Before fermentation, so this juice came in, it was uh, it was kind of light in its flavor. I wasn't, I was okay with it, but I thought I could be happier. So I froze it. So I concentrated it by freezing. Uh, it was originally about 2,800 liters, froze out about 500 liters of water, mm -hmm. just to concentrate the fruit flavor. Yeah. So that's kind of why this is pretty intense in the acid front, pretty intense, uh, like that, that bright fruit flavor note. Yeah. Uh, and there's a hint of sweetness in this, just because, to be honest, the acid was, was ranked. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, and it, it, it has quite a different sort of taste to it. It's almost uh, a thicker, thicker in its own way, mm -hmm. right? Which is kind of nice. Uh, I mean, obviously the stillness to it, it give, gives it a, a very different element than it's available, so. Yeah. I'm gonna grab one more bottle for you guys. This isn't, uh, this isn't released yet, but will be fairly soon. So the stuff you tried downstairs that was mostly gold and russet, this was originally one of those barrels too. Talks about each barrel getting a different fermentation style. This one was fairly different. We'll I'll talk about it in a minute. And, uh, thanks. So I just really liked where it was at. So rather than keeping this one, we decided to, to bottle it as its own. There's some practical considerations for that, and there's also some other reasons. So let's get into it. When dealing with oak barrels, they're all very different. Every year you have one barrel that's your favorite, that you always go back to taste, um, that you seem to spend a little more time on, just because it's, it's your favorite. And every year, when it comes time to blending, it's not that it goes away, it's just that it gets split up. And I'm tired of doing that. So what I've decided to start doing is every year, whatever my favorite barrel is, I'm going to barrel it by, I'm going to bottle it by itself, mm. and we'll release it as a single barrel. So about with those barrels, about 300 bottles, a little under 300 bottles. Uh, some smaller barrels will be less. So every year we'll do something like that. This is this year's entry, which is that same blend, that 72% gold and russets and wine sap. It was fermented with a non-standard yeast, so non-sap yeast, so not like Brett. Brett's used a lot of beer. This was a yeast called Torres Four, which produces like crazy, crazy full notes, and also ferments in a very different kinetic, so it's got a different rhythm to it, which I love a lot. And it's weak as hell, so it kills itself. So this could have reached 10% alcohol if it fermented dry, so the stuff downstairs is all 10%. Um, this yeast produced so much alcohol that it killed itself about 9.5% alcohol. So there's a bit of sugar left in there, it's just from the original juice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm getting some vanilla notes in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was in a second use barrel. The barrel had been used once before, eight months on Chardonnay. So it still has some, some of that open character in it. It's not fully neutral. We call it washed. It's been used only a short time. Very cool. Yeah. Which I think I probably like this one the most. Yeah. So it's, far. It's, I mean, I'm but as you said, front of it. It's yeah, my favorite. It's yeah. your favorite. So, and that's a neat way to go about things to make sure that you have uh, a forward, you know, uh, something you can put out to saying, yeah, if you really want to try something or if you really get the chance to, because there's obviously not that many barrel or bottles available, that there's something there, which is quite nice. So. That's nice to kind of like, you always have one baby. It's nice to follow it through. Yeah, I was going to say that out loud, but I decided not to yet. I guess I, we have the one dog, I guess you may. Hopefully, you only have the one kid at the moment. Know, we, have, so. we have one kid, but my wife is pregnant. So we'll, okay. We'll Your philosophy on wine or cider we'll making might change. Yeah. Yes. You love them all equally then, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
But uh, it's cool. I mean, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of, to be blunt, there's a lot of hit to bottling a single barrel. Because you need like, even the bottles are different because you, you're filling it on a different system. So bottles are different, closure's different. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to get some people to come help you on a Sunday morning. <laughs> All those little things make it kind of tough. But now that it's in bottle, I'm really happy that we did it. So we're going to keep doing it every year. Uh, you mentioned that it can be sort of challenging at times to be able to, to get all the things done. Uh, busy time with everything going on. And you mentioned that you have sort of a network of friends. How important is that, having that community? Oh, it's, it's, it's incredibly important. Uh, I'm super lucky being here that Lee Baker, who's the wine maker, can uh, If I'm like really in a jam and I need something to talk about that, we can do it. The other side is, as we're tasting through during harvest especially, because we're tasting everything three times a day in my regiment. So that is always good to have someone else's opinion. And if you figure during harvest this year at one point, I had, I think that because you're fermenting at different times. So harvest for us started at the beginning of September and ended middle of December. So over that time, every day, you're checking everything that's actively fermenting and tasting each other's actively ferments uh, two to three times a day. So at peak ferment, I think the most things I had going at once was like 62, 63, something like that. So that's 180, 190 tastings a day, um, which is, takes a lot of time. And that's not even just doing the work, that's just doing the taste. Yeah, and then if you don't live on site now, you got to get a, a ride home. And yeah, well, I mean, we're, not, we're not drinking. We, you, know, take a, you smell, basically, and then you maybe take a small thing and spit it out. So you're, you're still sober. Um, but yeah, it's tough. And it was so that, and it's really important to have friends to bounce ideas off. Mm -hmm. yeah, because the most impact you can make is during ferment. If you can do the ferment really well, and you can get things into barrel really well, and you're confident that you're clean and you're protected, and your side is a creator, they'll do the rest of the work. But your main, re your main reason to exist is to carry them through the ferment really well, so you get that healthy lees development, the yeast are happy and healthy, and you can keep them. Because if you have a bad ferment, you've got to get rid of the lees, and then it's no fun anymore. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you've come across so far? Um, I don't know. I, I, I have a really supportive community. So we have a town that is very supportive of us. We have this host winery that's very supportive of us. We have friends. So, I mean, most of the stuff we've run into, it's been fairly easy to overcome, to be honest. Um, the challenge we're facing right now is we're planting a standard orchard. So big, big trees, rare varietals. And like, you know, from when we order trees to when we're going to get fruit, it's like 10 year turnaround on that. So it's a little, a little tough to be, uh, to be getting all the fruit that we want to be using. So that's good. Yeah, and that's actually what we've heard a lot with the explosion in makers in, in the area that because uh, a lot of apple farmers that sort of uh, shut up shop or pulled out their trees maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, there's, there's a shortage in the area or there is going to be a shortage, especially with everybody coming on board. Uh, of late, so I think that's one of the, the major themes that we've sort of come across this year. Um, and, and there are some workarounds, right? So it's, it's about being creative with what you can get. And it's, it's more important for us to be using 
fruit that's grown here in Prince Edward County than necessarily pulling stuff in from, from other places. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather make the best cider I can with the apple we have than So you've got two available right now. Yeah. You're looking at potentially the third in the fall that you're going to release? Um, or? The, the one that you just tried, that single barrel, that's going to come out probably in June. Okay. And then the sparkling will likely come out in August. And then uh, where can people get access to the yeah. product? So here at Kente uh, is the best spot. So we're in our tasting room, Easy. you can also order through us online. Um, and other than that, we're gonna be in a couple restaurants starting this week, uh, which we'll, we'll announce through social media and stuff like that. The best thing to do is to get a hold of me through Instagram because for some reason I'm addicted to the media. So uh, that's where I am most of the time. <laughs> and po probably how we got connected here to have a chance to come in because we run multiple accounts. So I guess that all works out. It's nice to have a dog that also uh, promotes the cider. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, thank you so much for the hey, time and, so and all the best. And uh, we look forward to seeing what else is coming forward your way. And again, uh, as you said, it's definitely worth uh, a swing by here to see the place and to get a chance to try it. So yeah, yeah. thanks again. I appreciate you coming in. All right, cool. Say hi to Jonas. Say hi to Case. Oh. Absolutely.